0: You're listening to The Ecopreneur Show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs and creatives on how they can make a positive and meaningful impact in the world. I'm your host, Vanina. Every other week, I hang out with entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are creating real-life solutions for a more sustainable future. I feel by having raw conversations with ecopreneurs that will keep on inspiring us to take action in our own lives. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Couponors, I just want to let you know that this episode was recorded during my San Francisco Bay Area tour in early March before COVID-19. But yeah, the content may be a little bit different, but I truly hope that this will be a small source of inspiration for you during these times. Um, But yeah, I hope you are well, staying safe and healthy, and let's get to the episode. So I once read that the EPA estimates that two billion razors are thrown away each year in the US alone. So when I started my low-waste journey around three years ago, a reusable stainless steel razor was kind of a no-brainer and was one of the first swaps I ever made. That razor comes from this awesome company called Albatross whose mission is to make sustainability mainstream and easy. In this episode, I interviewed the founder, Andrew Lassanier, who had his idea five years ago, and even though so many thought this wasn't going to work, their razor is now seen as an iconic product in the zero-waste movement. So, Andrew, thanks for being on the show. Ah, thank you. Can you give a quick introduction about what Albatross is?
1: yeah yeah for sure um so albatross is a green design company so we want to design products that have a positive environmental benefit our overall goal i'd say is to make sustainability mainstream we really believe the mass of people should be sustainable and should work towards this goal and you know right now it's not necessarily anybody's fault but it's everybody's fault too that we're in this situation so we're just trying to make it easier for people To live sustainably.
0: And then, how did you first get into sustainability?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, even growing up, I was never like a kid who played video games. I was just always outside in nature and the ocean for sure. Um, But I think, like, sustainability almost as a discipline nowadays, I owe it to my brother. And probably when I was in grade nine, grade 10, he was at university and we were both kind of into like economics. It's a bit dorky, but. (laughs) And then he really opened my eyes to like, ah, like here are some issues with our like current capitalism model or our current uh, economic models and how we use resources. So um, when I was kind of at that age, started to get really into like sustainable energy and and grew from there.
0: Did you major in sustainability or? Yeah.
1: So I majored in like environmental economics and philosophy and pretty much my focus was the environment and how it. Intersex economics. Wow. Um. Yeah, I thought I would be working at a solar company or something like that. No and way. That never happened. But now we're getting back into it a little bit. So.
0: Oh no way. Okay. So uh, you thought you were going to be in solar, and then what happened? Like, how did you come up?
1: Yeah. So when I graduated university, it was 2011, which was like the worst job market since the Great Depression, because there were two years of really experienced people who had been laid off and. Mm-hmm. At the time, I decided to turn a, a university project into a business or an attempt at a business, and that was basically, it was kind of Bitcoin, but for sustainability, and the goal is to basically just flood the sustainable economy with money to hopefully create like economies of scale, lower the prices. You know, At the time, okay. people would say, oh, Whole Foods is so green, and there's the joke, Cole. Paycheck. And it's, you know, they sold plastic bottles and it was expensive and no one could really afford it. So it can't make a real difference. So that was an ambitious project. It didn't work out when Bitcoin came around. Wow. No, yeah. Everybody was like concerned with Bitcoin and the that ecosystem. And so I jumped into the sailing world for a couple of years and regrouped and yeah.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that too?
1: Basically, I was fixing sailboats, delivering sailboats, racing sailboats, living on a sailboat, just That's awesome. pretty much always on a on a boat or right. fixing a boat. And yeah, it was really great, really rewarding. Got to spend a lot of time in the ocean, see actual albatross, see whales, dolphins, lots of things, right? Um, so it was definitely an inspiring place to then kind of incubate the ideas for what became Albatross.
0: Do you see a lot of plastic pollution? Was that kind of like the catalyst for it? Yeah,
1: I mean, you definitely do. And, you know, I mean, even certain beaches that you'd end up on, you're just covered covered in plastic. And it was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, But, yeah, you definitely see, you know, plastic in the middle of the ocean. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people confuse the garbage island as this, um actual island and it's it's really not as obvious but then it is when you're like we're in the middle of nowhere and look how much plastic there really is so
0: So you started seeing that um and you were sailing, but then how, because it's so interesting because Albatross, I mean, you're like a, your business is like a pioneer, especially in the zero waste industry, I feel like, because everybody uses your razors oh, and things you, like that. You. Yeah. it's. I mean, I'm s- super stoked that you're here. Yeah. So you were sailing and then how did you, how did you come up with the idea for Albatross?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was thinking because Basically, when the first company I was working on failed after college, you end up really tired and with no money. And so I was like, okay, we're going to regroup and we're going to keep the, the dream alive of designing products to create sustainable solutions, which I just happened to like really enjoy thinking about that stuff. I think at the time, you know, it just everything clicks. Like my brother actually got me one of these razors. And I was like, this is so nice. It shaves so well. It's so cheap compared to any other option. And you're literally potentially eliminating an entire waste stream. And, you know, two billion plastic razors are thrown out every year in the U.S. Baffles me. Yeah. So it was just kind of like a, a no-brainer first product for me. It clicked and we started working towards that goal. And
0: Your business, is it's been around for five years, right? Or how? Yeah. Okay, okay. So,
1: I mean, officially four, I guess. But, yeah, really four and a half.
0: Okay. Still a long time though, especially in, I feel like there's so many sustainable businesses that are popping up. The fact that you've been around for five years is pretty incredible. So how did you create, who, who did you source from? How did you kind of build the product and the model? And
1: Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, I started looking around for a factory. I have some friends involved in similar things. So definitely sought their advice and just really try to turn over a lot of rocks and find the solution that was right. We actually have a newer razor now, which is the only, there's three different types, but it's a, a new razor line, which is much better. And like, we're super is happy that with that um, up, well,
0: Is that the butterfly one that opens up or which one is that one? It's the
1: flagship line. Um, so yeah, now all of our razors are the flagships and there's wow. a three piece of butterfly and an extra long butterfly. But yeah, so, you know, it's really good. It's a little scary too to like, at some point, you've just got to make decisions and go for it. And, you know, at that time, everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> no one thought it even had a chance of no. working. And, I mean, it has. And, you know, now we've actually uh, created a lot of good in the world and gotten rid of a lot of plastic shave. Now, you know, I think the trick is to just keep that going, keep the momentum going. And
0: Did you feel like there was any tension when you first introduced the razor to customers?
1: I mean, I definitely wasn't very good at at it. I remember I had razors and I was like, I need to get some sales and building everything. And I was like, okay, I'm going to walk around Berkeley where we started and just go to some stores and try to sell some razors. And I came to the first store and I was like, okay, here it is. And I just like opened the door and jumped in and was like, hey, and like try to start selling them razors without any preparation without any idea of what I was going to say and then they didn't buy any but it's okay (laughs) it probably wasn't the best store for them but then you know I did that a couple times and um, it got better and I was able to sell and there was a point too I remember I mean like super broke trying to sell this and literally was walking down University Avenue in Berkeley and there is a Vegan store that just opened up, and I didn't even know it was there. And I was like, I'm gonna go in there. Like, I really need to sell razors, or we're gonna have like issues. With. Went in there, and really nice lady, Michelle, and she was like, Yeah, I'll buy some. And I was like, Oh my god! And then she like wrote me a check right then for like $150. And I was like, I just sold some razors. This is great. You know, it just came at one of those times where it was like we're so uh, screwed. Not to use my language now. But, yeah, so, you know, there are a lot of just moments like that that you got better at explaining the solution.
0: Because I think most people would be probably freaked out being like, you know, or discouraged the fact that the first time they got, or the first or second or third or fifth time they got turned down. But it's so cool the fact that you just see it as a form of improvement and just going to the next one, too. I think that's such a great behavior to harness.
1: It's necessary, I think, if you... I want to get through that like beginning phase of.
0: And you're a team now, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that process too? When you started, Albatross started building traction and then building a team after?
1: I'll say in the beginning, literally, my one friend and I were fulfilling razor orders off of my boat. And, you know, I (laughs) remember. No way! So that's where you
0: stood. You were living off the boat still? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And literally, I remember getting uh, some of the first razors produced. And having to take a step from the boat dock to the boat. And it was like, you know, a big step and you're carrying this really heavy box. And I was always so fearful that the box would like break right when I'm stepping over the water. Because that would have been all our money and like everything, right? So, but yeah, it was fun. And, um, you know, just slowly met various people that were also interested and passionate about it. And um,
0: and how big is your team now?
1: Um, we're about like six full time, okay. and then, you know various other people.
0: Gotcha. Because you never know. Sometimes you, know, you see the face of a, of a company, and you know you never know how many people are behind it. It's really cool how established you are right now. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, we mean, don't,
1: I, I don't feel established. <laughs> in that, that well, feels I mean, great mean, like to hear, uh, so. I
0: feel like so many. Um, I've seen so many other like sort of semi-razor brands pop out, but you're like the original. I feel like zero waste uh, razor. I feel yeah, like. we yeah.
1: were. Uh, I mean, we really were like the first company and you know I did a lot of research on competitors things like that and we were really the first company to say this is a great alternative let's start shaving plastic free and eliminating plastic from shaving and then We saw a lot of companies with more money than us, you know, start to sell the same thing and even copy some content where it's like, I wrote that and now they're saying it. But you were
0: the original. I feel like people who are early adopters definitely know that you are like the the OG of like.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: Um, Okay. So then you also have the Blade Take Back uh, program too. Can you explain when did you start making that decision to take back the Blades? Yeah.
1: I mean, pretty much from the beginning, we wanted to do that. And you know, like the first two or three months, we didn't really have a system in place for that. But then yeah, we added it. And so we realized let's just start collecting blades, see what happens. And then we also have extended the blade take back program to not just our blades, but every brand of blade. And so we just wanna encourage people to, to send their blades back to us. It definitely helps with like our take back wear upcycling efforts. And so our goal right now, and we're far from it, we still are working through some things, making it easier for customers, really expanding like the retailer drop-off side of it. But our goal is to get the number of blades back that we sell every year. So that might not be just Albatross customers. Maybe we get a different brand's blades, but that's kind of the goal right now. Again, people are like, why are you doing that? It seems so crazy. But for us, it's just making sure, A, we're as zero waste as we can be, but Be like the subsequent products made with the upcycled blades are um, just more special, more special to us that way.
0: I agree with that because there's, you know, as you know, downcycling um, where you know the product becomes something that is of lesser value than the product that it was originally. I think your company is so incredible. The fact that you guys are pretty much a, a closed looped system and yeah. I think a lot of companies out there are really great but they don't think about the end life what happens when it's done you know and sure. of course it can be as sustainable as possible but if it's still going into the trash, there's a disconnect there too so did you have an idea about what what was going to happen to the blades after or did you guys just have like no. a? Pi- okay. yeah
1: <laughs> so we basically were like let's collect as many as possible and then try to figure it out once we like figure things out. So you
0: guys just like a stack of blades somewhere? Yeah and and
1: we had like just running ideas probably a list of like 20 different potential products because you know it's tricky because the supply from that isn't super steady and you've got to really grow it and even still we've got to really grow it. But yeah we finally then settled on our, our take back wear which is a fork knife and spoon for on the go and it's it's really cool but at the time Early on, I mean, in my mind, I was like, yeah, but people have silverware at home. Like, why do they need this bamboo silverware set or this other silverware set? Can't they just bring their fork and knife from home? And, you know, that's still kind of true. But at the same time, it is nice to, A, like, I mean, ours clips together. It is, like, a little more mobile-friendly. And that little difference makes it so it happens more that you actually take back your silverware with you and, and things like that. Then once I heard... 100 million plastic utensils a day are thrown out in the U.S. Honestly, it's insanity to me. So I was like, you know what? I think let's really try to pursue that.
0: Yeah. Even being back in San Francisco, we're in such a place that's such a fast culture that people are just grabbing, you know, plastic utensils and stuff like that right, too. It's right. it's kind of it's kind of amazing to see that too. But I do think I agree. The convenience part of it is such a great um, barrier to entry for people too, to like right. be able to go, oh, it's actually really convenient. I can just slip it in my bag and go. What was the process to create this take back wear? Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Um, so, I mean, it was a lot. So we had to figure out like our, our scale, like how much take back metal we were, were receiving. And then, you know, we did go through the motions basically on several different products, not just that. And, you know, it was really just about evaluating what made the most sense. And What other ones
0: of, did you uh, were trying to make? Um,
1: or? We were thinking like cups or, you know, containers, but they're just – that was – trickier for several reasons and we even open it up to like our entire customer base and like send us ideas if you have them and we got some cool ideas I mean some people are like could you make me a golf driver and it was like hmm that's cool I guess we could but then it was like but what like sustainability benefit does that create so
0: oh yeah can you just talk a little bit especially for our listeners like why it's so important to address our plastic pollution
1: the overall issue is that Plastic pollution is a climate change issue. It's all the same kind of imbalance in our society. And plastic pollution specifically, it really does leach chemicals into the water. It really does kill marine life through a variety of ways. Maybe they, maybe the albatross just eats plastic and has no nourishment. But then it's also this climate change impact where plastic is basically a subsidy for fossil fuel companies to continue operating at this kind of voracious pace and you know for me it's really scary because i'm optimistic that we can kind of stop single-use plastics and all the plastic pollution but when you look at oil and gas industry estimates for where the market's going in terms of plastic it's insane doubling or tripling in the next 50 years and i don't see how that's sustainable at all and you know even If there's compostable plastics, sure, that that is a step in the right direction, but it's still a huge waste of energy and production capacity when we could be making other things. So yeah, I've had a lot of people who are kind of like intelligentsia, like, oh, the plastic pollution is taking, plastic pollution movement is taking away from the climate change movement because plastic pollution is really obvious. You go to the beach and you see plastic everywhere and people feel that it's bad. climate change it's so you know esoteric no one can feel the situation per se and i disagree with that though again i think it's one and the same uh, sources of the problem and so we need to just kind of address it all and create a more of a natural contract with with earth and how are we going to make sure it thrives so we can thrive
0: I agree 100% too. Do you think that because of China's ban to recycling that that's also going to be a huge impact? Yeah, I
1: mean that's helped in Europe. It's, you know, there's a lot of different single-use bans coming in and yeah, I think there there are a lot of governments do, making good decisions when it comes to this because it is a problem. It is harmful to people. And the corporations making all the plastic stuff are externalizing all of these negative costs onto society and it just doesn't make sense to keep allowing that to happen. Um, In this country, I think we need to address some of the kind of corporate government relationships a little better. Well, a lot better, to be honest. But, you know, places, Washington, California, New York, they're they're taking steps.
0: Do you think that since we're talking about policy, do you think it's going to be a shift in the government or do you think it's going to be the people?
1: Yeah. I mean, so this is another one of those kind of debated topics. And and I have some friends who say only a government can actually make changes. And like it's not even the people's responsibility to make a change. And yes, I would love government to intervene, but I don't think we can rely on government. And I think like for me, being perfect when it comes to, say, a zero-waste lifestyle or low-waste lifestyle is just being conscious of what you're doing and, and do your best to do the right thing. And slowly by slowly as we do that, I think the systems will change and, and operate more sustainably. At the end of the day, like if you can win a crowd of people, I think we can win.
0: You're such a positive person and oh, also, <laughs> I mean, like I said, you've had the business for so long. How do you stay inspired?
1: Well, it, it definitely, like, is not always easy, um, especially in the last few years. I think American politics has been very bad for the environment, and yeah, it is hard. I mean, and sometimes, like, it literally it makes you sad, but at the same time, like even I think yesterday, Monday, I was down at the beach at the ocean, it was just such a beautiful day, and I called my girlfriend, like, we can do this, we've got to, like, literally save it, let's, like come home tonight and brainstorm more ways we can save the world, quote unquote. Um, But yeah, so I think for me, like, honestly, the ocean is my church. I try to surf every day. And if I don't surf, I'm probably sailing. But literally, it's like, you know, I need to just go in and it's, it's super humbling. There's big waves, there's dolphins, sharks, everything else. But it's also just a magical place. And, you know, so getting out into the ocean every day is like, cool, now I'm gonna go to work and try to protect that.
0: Have you always, since you started Albatross, always made it the habit to go and surf and make sure that you do that? Because I know that so many people can get so wound up in um, building the business, but forget to connect with the environment and remember like what we're actually fighting for.
1: It's only in probably the last year that I've been able to say, I'm gonna like, try to surf every day, wake up, um, but, yeah, definitely, as much as possible, you know, just being outside or being at the bay and watching some birds or whatever it's It's definitely a nice reminder of where people actually come from, and I think especially in San Francisco, so many people are just wired in, are not really outside more than ten minutes a day. They park in the parking garage, walk to their office, stay there all day, and drive home.
0: How did you come up with the name albatross? A
1: few reasons, but the big one is. I I love the poem "The Rime of the Ancient Mariner." Growing up, and it's by Samuel Coleridge, and it talks about this ship captain who essentially unnecessarily kills an innocent albatross, and then he hangs that albatross around his neck and is plagued with bad luck. So kind of we took that, and now there's a saying that says, "Oh, you have an albatross around your neck. Oh, you have a burden around your neck," and interpreted it. Interpreted the albatross as kind of a a bad luck symbol, which is totally untrue. Because if we would just respect nature, and if the ship captain didn't unnecessarily kill the albatross, he wouldn't have had bad luck. And sailors for you know, hundreds of years have seen the albatross fly and just been like, oh, it's lucky. It's lucky. So I got lucky to be able to see the albatross a lot and on some sailing deliveries. And they're really cool animals too. They can fly for thousands of miles at a time over the open ocean without even flapping their wings. They just coast over air currents and things like that. And the cool thing about that is when they're gliding for this distance, they actually kind of function as a sailboat because a sailboat has a keel and sails and the keel keeps you know its trajectory going in a certain direction. Well, the albatross flies kind of at a tilt, so one wing is kind of a keel. And the other wing is kind of a wow. Sail. It's
0: like it's like symbolic to also the world that you're in too, the sailing world, and it kind of brings everything together.
1: Definitely, definitely, and yeah. And so our goal, one of our goals, is to take back the metaphor of the albatross, and we think people should not say like, oh, you have an albatross hanging around your neck as if it's a burden. We should understand that the albatross can be you know, very lucky and very good for people if we respect nature.
0: If, let's say, like everything started going well, how would you envision the future looking?
1: In general, I think we need to take quicker action at a global level to really combat climate change and and all these other things. You know, for me, it's totally doable The technology is there. It's even cost competitive. I mean, the U.S. government still subsidizes fossil fuel industries at billions of dollars a year. So I think we need to aggressively move towards a clean economy. And we could do it in time to, you know, limit warming to two degrees Celsius. But when you look at the current situation and all these greedy people out there who are willing to destroy the world, literally, for a little short-term money, it's not going to be an easy fight, but I think we need to just stay positive. And I think the people really need to find it in their hearts to to stand up where they can and when they can.
0: So what is the future plans for Albatross?
1: We are designing all types of products in the pipeline. It's just a matter of, you know, we've got to pay the bills and really keep, keep our shaving business growing and moving forward. But at the same time, we want to add some more products. We're also trying to do some more just really creative things where we might not make money, but maybe it's like a cool little software design that could like reframe uh, the debate, reframe how people see it. We've been trying to interact a lot with, for example, hunting and fishermen groups. And a lot of these groups, for example, tend to sympathize with more right wing conservatism that also is creating terrible policies for the environment. And I don't quite understand how it all works yet. Um, because I would feel certain groups could you know understand the situation in, in the environment a little differently let's say um so like that's something we've been really trying to figure out the team also is really interested in coral and the coral reefs are dying very fast and um, we want to do everything we can to to stop that and save the coral. Um, If coral dies, the entire ocean will basically die.
0: So what sort of things in coral are you guys...
1: So right now we're thinking of uh, essentially starting this more like nonprofit type of thing that it will probably sell specific products that then can just fund coral. Basically coral restoration direct. I mean, there's a lot of reefs all over the world and trying to get them all money. And yeah, I think we can use our like customer base who's concerned with these things as a great way to really consolidate some power.
0: So one thing that I, have, I guess I've thought about with the coral too because since you know our water is getting warmer and that it's killing our coral how do you feel about climate resistant coral also?
1: Yeah I mean so they definitely uh, you know there's a lot of scientists around the world who are finding certain like native species maybe at this reef off of Florida that is of the you know 20 different species right there, this one and this one will survive the warmest waters. And yeah, I mean, I think things like that make sense. I also hope, you know, we can try to preserve a diverse amount, but that may or may not be feasible. So.
0: It's so fascinating that you aren't not just only a product design company, you know, make products, but you also think about nonprofits and other things too, and kind of seeing how many activism pieces that you can do. So, how do you guys decide which one to tackle?
1: So, it is hard, and there's a lot. I think at the end of the day, like, we are constrained by our need to just operate, you know, albatross shaves really efficiently, and like that. Ultimately it's a great needs,
0: product, yeah.
1: Oh, thank you. and it, Yeah, and it needs to, you know, it necessarily takes up probably most of our time. But then when it comes to like the coral, it's super, super meaningful. And I think just the whole team sees that and and likes trying to design, whether it's a software thing, whether it's this or that, trying to design a solution to make the situation better. And that just kind of, it's everybody's motivation anyway. And on that note, I mean, when I was starting Albatross, I really wanted to be able to, like, tackle many crazy insane products, <laughs> and, you know, everybody said, no, you need to focus on one, which is fine. It makes sense, but it's been my goal, so I was talking to a, he's a boat owner that I race on his boat, also genius, and, you know, he's like, well, just, you know, prove yourself with a couple of products, and then you'll be able to do a couple more, and, so we we did that. And now that we have take back wear, granted, it's only forks and knives and spoons, but the process is actually really cool. So I think we're like moving in that direction where we're getting a little more confidence from, you know, the outside community that we can design and do crazy things.
0: Do you see Albatross being tons of products and things like that too?
1: Yeah, I mean, but very like different products. Like we're working on a living roofing panel right now. You know, we're working on like an evaporative cooling uh, system.
0: Okay, you, okay. So what's a living, sorry, what, what is that?
1: It's just kind of an easy way to, to grow plants on your roof.
0: Oh, hey, heck yeah. Um,
1: you know, if you look at like kind of the, the concrete footprint in the world, it's huge now. And so if we could at least make the roofs living, could it could mean something, you know, on a global scale. So, you know, we're experimenting with that. It's definitely totally different than our core business, yeah. but we've kind of, I feel we've like earned the ability to be able to like go after things like that.
0: Just speaking with you, I feel like you're so knowledgeable in so many different environmental fields. How do you stay in the know?
1: Well, it's funny because I used, to fe- I used to feel that I was very in the know and just on top of every little advancement that came out. Now, you know, so much is happening every day that it is kind of hard to stay up to date. But I would just say, honestly, reading a variety of different Sources on various issues, whether it's The Ecologist or a, a new book, just even if you skim the book. and
0: Yeah, do you have any favorites right now or like top?
1: One book I love, for example, is it's called Switch. And that's just about how to create like behavioral changes. And it, it relates uh, behavior as a person who's the rational part of the decision making process riding an elephant which is like this big emotional thing that's kind of hard to control at some points. And then the elephant walks on a path. And the path has to be right in order to get the person and the elephant to go down it. Um, So probably the emotional aspect is the biggest thing to really get people to behave a certain way. But I think I've been, especially lately, thinking a lot about the path. Like, how can we make not using plastic silverware easier? How can we make not taking a to go cup easier? And I think that's the path. That's like kind of the system. And that's why, you know, it's not necessarily anybody's fault if you end up drinking out of a plastic water bottle because it's that or dehydration. It's not necessarily their fault, but could we have made a water fountain. Instead.
0: I really like that that you're because I think a lot of people can, you know, point fingers and say, you know, oh, you're not doing this or you're not doing X in kind of an almost a shameful way. Right, right. But I love the fact that you're just saying that it's almost a behavior too, something that we've created too, that's just convenient. What is the best piece of advice you can give to somebody?
1: Definitely it does harken back to, to what we were just talking about, which is, you know, haters gonna hate and there are going to be a lot of haters. And if you actually if if you're a firm believer in the idea. Just try to push through. I basically now like totally disregard what most people if if people are negative and they say something negative to me, I just completely disregard it. (laughs) And probably like them less after. But (laughs) um Yeah. (laughs) yeah, I mean you just have to I think be positive, be confident, and give it a try. Not everything's gonna work, so be adaptable. There were definitely a lot of haters when we started and so happy I didn't listen to anyone.
0: You're such a positive person, especially, um, having the business for so long too. And yeah, I think it's such a great behavior to harness. Do you have any secrets on how do you stay positive?
1: You go surfing every day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, on that note, it's funny because I've been talking about it a lot lately, but I had a principal, Dr. Butterini <laughs> back when I was growing up and great name. yeah, right. And he used to give these really enthusiastic speeches and he would bring, like, the green giant can of peas. And the pea was, like, a positive, enthusiastic attitude. And he would tell a story about, like, these two twins. I'm sure it was made up, right? One was very negative and would wake up every day, like, oh, I have to go to school. Like, oh, this sucks. I'm tired. I want to do this. Oh, after school, I have to go to, like, band practice or soccer practice. And then he was, like, but the other twin woke up and was like oh man it's so good I'm alive and I get to go to school today and learn and see my friends and like I get to go to soccer practice and exercise so in his story I mean he's very good at telling this but you know you just really realize a positive attitude is everything because it the world is not always a fun place but if you can just stay optimistic and be positive, you're going to feel better. And when you feel better, you're going to perform better. You're going to live better. And
0: How can people connect with you?
1: Yeah, if you want to get in touch, the best email is hello, H-E-L-L-O, at albatross, A-L-B-A-T-R-O-S-S, designs, D-E-S-I-G-N-S, dot I-T. It's also our website, albatrossdesigns.it. Um, our Instagram is Albatross underscore sailing, and people ask why isn't it like albatross shaving? And we started from sailing roots, I think, and just kept it. So
0: I love it, staying true to your value.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: well, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you, really appreciate it.
0: Hey, entrepreneurs, thanks for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, come on over and join me at the Cooppreneur Show. I'd love to hear your story and what positive impacts you're making in the world. Anyways, hope you're having an awesome day and I'll see you in the next episode.